On Second Shot, we cover two new stories every week to find out what kind of wisdom the world is dishing out today. And at the heart of every one of these stories are people, just like you and me, who've had to overcome incredible odds, to face the greatest challenges, to struggle and fight back. But now, we're changing it up. In these episodes, we're skipping the headlines and going straight to the people that inspire us to grow, to be bold, seek change, and act courageously when the rest of the world may not. A second look, a second chance, a second shot. This is Second Shot Sit-Downs with your host, Jenny Anchondo. It is time for another Second Shot Sit-Down. And as we look to different people for inspiration, this is somebody that I've been kind of going to for inspiration lately. And I thought, you know what? I can't keep it a secret. <laughs> I'm sure many of you have already heard of Leslie Zan, but, but if not, let me tell you a little bit about her. She is the founder and chief inspiration officer at Leslie Zan Consulting. So she works primarily in the sales world and direct sales world, but, but her personal story is one that even if you're not somebody who works in sales, I, I think it's a story that will benefit so many of us. She has overcome personal experiences of, of loss, uh, abuse, betrayal, illness and now what she does is she really inspires people to live with courage and claim the life they desire so not somebody else's life but the life you actually desire um, a little bit about her speaking and, and her background is that she was awarded the national speaker association's highest honor of certified speaking professional and she has presented live to more than 100,000 people around the world leslie is also an author her latest book outrageous achievement is a number one international bestseller on Amazon. And, and what this book is about is guiding people to discover their courage and step past limiting beliefs and create exponential success in all areas of their lives. Who wants exponential success? That's what I'm talking about. Let's bring Leslie Zan in. Hi, Leslie, how are you? Jenny, I am excellent. So good to be with you this morning. Thank you. Well, I've been really looking forward to this. And as we kind of talked behind the scenes, I learned so many things about you that I hadn't even learned from listening to you speak or following you on social media or, or even the book. So I'm looking forward to digging into that. But I want to hear a little bit about little Leslie, how you grew up, where you grew up and, and what your childhood's like. Well, I'm the middle of three girls, grew up in San Diego, uh, terrific parents. Um, a little sidebar, had a very famous grandfather. My mother's father was a very well-known Hall of Fame professional football coach. His name was Sid Gilliman. And so football was very much a part of my life growing up. I could close my eyes. If we're really going to Little Leslie, yes. I can close my eyes and I can smell Jack Murphy Stadium. <laughs> I mean, I grew up going to the games every Sunday. And, and actually, as a, as a young girl, watching the emotions when sports, when winning and losing mm -hmm. wasn't just for fun, was actually a career. Boy, I learned a lot about overcoming adversity, dealing with loss, watching my grandfather pick himself back up and go after that next game. I mean, it really gave me a fascinating insight into overcoming adversity and really put sports and athletics in a whole different light than I believe most people get. It, oh my gosh, yeah, so I'm so envious of that. That is a really, really cool upbringing. So, so of course, as a child, I imagine you, that, you, know, you we all have sort of this, this vision of what our life is going to be like and the successes we may have or the things we may achieve. And then along the way, 
we get knocked down a time or two. And I, I know I hate to kind of dive deep into that heart space right from the get-go, but your story is profound. Talk about some of the more uh, you know, impactful challenges that you've been through, because that's important for context when we try to get inspiration from you. I agree, and I appreciate that. And, you know, really this first big milestone of overcoming adversity happened in my late 20s. And it was a lot of events happening all at the same time. Mm -hmm. So if we go back to that time I was had my first husband and I were married. I was a realtor, he was a contractor. We had a very successful business for 10 years, building spec homes, high-end half million to million dollar homes, and I was a very successful realtor. We had a crew of 11. We, were, we worked hard and we're, we were truly building success. And then a water moratorium was enacted in California, meaning because of too many years of drought, they stopped all building. So in one day, we lost our business. We weren't able to continue building. We lost all the money we invested in the land that um, wow. we were working on. We had to let our crew go and our ability to make income literally disappeared in a day. Now that was the first part. Six months later, our house burned down. Now, I, we weren't jumping out of a burning building. Uh, it happened while we were at work at 10 in the morning, but uh, it was from a faulty water heater. Had we been asleep, the firemen tell us we would not have survived. Wow. So the beautiful thing is that we survived. Our neighbors saved our dogs. The firemen brought my cat back to life in front of me with an infant oxygen mask. So, so nobody perished, but we lost all our stuff all our stuff except the clothes on our back. And then the next day I found out from my insurance agent that we were underinsured, which basically means you ain't getting the life back that you were wow. living. And so now we move into a rental, we have no stuff, we've lost Richard's ability to work. And then six months after that, I discover, you know, I was young in my late twenties, um, that I was unable to have children. Mm -hmm. So that was something we had been working on. And that was a big emotional blow to me as well. So all these things happened at the time. And, you know, it's interesting. I wasn't really prepared. Like these were major challenges. So when you talk about a second shot, I think what began my second shot after all these things happened. Oh, oh look how I have selective memory. <laughs> What'd you forget? So what, how this whole period ended was we were forced to declare bankruptcy. Oh, Leslie. And yeah. I cried all the way to the attorney's office, signed the papers, cried all the way home. It was the most embarrassing thing. I mean, to me, it was comparable to being arrested. I mean, it was just so embarrassing after how hard we'd worked. So at any rate, all these things were happening and my beginning dive into personal development really began my process to move through these challenges and start redesigning my life. And I, and I would sum up this period of my life by a quote a friend shared with me by Joseph Campbell. He said, you must be willing to let go of the life you planned to have the life that's waiting for you. Oh. And I wrote that down and stared at it, Jenny, every day because we had plans. Like we had plans and plans for career, plans for business, plans for family. Like we had all these plans 
And so you must be willing to let go of the life you planned to have the life that's waiting for you. And the life that was waiting for me, Jenny, uh, was divorce. Uh-huh. Our marriage did not survive. Uh, all this had happened. Uh, we just, we grew up differently through all this adversity. We just simply became different people. So I came out of my late 20s and into my mid 30s, um, divorced, still an agent, but really having to start from scratch, having to start all over again. And and where it sounds like I hear some judgment from you, from Leslie to Leslie about what it means to go through bankruptcy. And, and maybe I didn't hear as much about the divorce, but I, it, it seemed like maybe that was a value of yours to be able to be self-sustaining and to be able to make money and, and be, I mean, we're like a wealthy young woman in California. My gosh, it's so expensive to live there anyway. How does anybody make any money? And, and Leslie was doing it. And so how did you get over the judgment of yourself from that era or, or did you? Oh, I have. Oh, certainly. By yeah. 61, I have. You know, <laughs> I can't believe I you're 61. <laughs> but they, at the time, like I couldn't even utter the words bankruptcy in public mm. for two years. Like I truly was embarrassed. Um, it was, it, there was a lot of shame around that. And even though all our advisors told us, like our banker and um, my broker and our financial guy, I mean, all the men we depended on who helped us build this successful business, it was their idea. They called us into a conference call. Like, I don't know if people would really do that these days, but they loved us and they were proud of us and they'd started with us. And they actually called us into a conference call and said, look, kids, they invented bankruptcy rules for these kind of situations. And so, and it's true, we could have never dug ourselves out of that hole. And yet it just was very shameful and very disappointing and very irritating. And yet the lessons coming out of it, I mean, I could write a book on how to come back from bankruptcy. Like my credit score now, Herculean, <laughs> right? So, so, so it just was, um, again a process and had i not started to dive into a little bit of personal development i'm i'm really not sure how i how my 30s 40s fit like how the rest of my life would have gone i could have been stuck in that spiral of shame and disappointment what did you do immediately after i know that when you speak to crowds you often speak on the topic of direct sales and i'm i'm curious about that did you get into that immediately or at what point in your life did you sort of go into a different realm of sales outside of real estate Yes, so we had already had to declare bankruptcy and through the stress of the bankruptcy and the divorce and all the things that were happening, I created what my mother called the Corona Dorito diet. So I that was my stress food. That was my stress to go food. A cold Corona and a bag of nacho cheese Doritos. And so to give you perspective, I'm a size four now. At the time I, um, evolved into a size 14 and so uh, and the day and my mother had a very successful direct selling business and what she sold were nutritional supplements and weight loss weight loss products and she came to visit me she never had said a thing about it before but she took one look at me and she said words I'll never forget she said little girl there's nothing more important than your health it wasn't from and coming from a place of judgment we just talked about judgment, and it sounds like your mom was not, but she she was concerned about you. You'd been through so much emotionally, and then you weren't taking care of that one body that you get. Exactly, and that was so profound for her. And and you know, she's my best friend. She's my best friend then. She's still my best friend. 
there was no judgment. She was concerned, right? So I had enough going on. Why add to that by letting my health go? So we talked it, about it over that weekend and I agreed to go on her program and that was transforming in so many ways. At, up to that point, I had had no exposure to network marketing or direct selling, even though my mother had always been very successful in that profession. She'd never, you know, I was busy building our you know, real estate empire. And so we just both supported each other in doing what we did. And yet I went on these products uh, in four months, I dropped 35 pounds. I lowered my cholesterol 100 points. I started feeling better. And I'll tell you, Jenny, more than looking in the mirror and feeling good about how I look, I think what was most powerful for me was that feeling of control. It, it was the first time in years I felt like I had some control over something in my life. And to this day, to this day, when something big happens where I'm feeling out of control, I get uber careful on my health. It's just become a habit. I figure if I got to deal with this, man, I am mm -hmm. not going to compound the problem by letting myself go again. So that has been very supportive. So I got these great results on, on her products. And I don't know, it was months later, I got a, a, a call from my mother. She introduced me to her business partner in that business who told me what was going on. And that what got, that got me so excited. And I had the results. I thought, oh my gosh, like I can do this. Think of the people I could help. I mean, my fresh core value of health and my core value of service and making a difference and working with other people and teaching a mentor, like all the core values of this profession of direct selling fit me perfectly. And so I jumped in and my mother and I worked together building a successful business for 16 years. Wow. It was marvelous. Now, Leslie, yeah. it's not polite for somebody to ask somebody how much they make. But since we talked about bankruptcy <laughs> and since we talked, and I know how successful you've ended up becoming, other companies reach out to you. I mean, how this, this was a very lucrative business for you and your mom, right? Yes, it was super, super successful. And it absolutely changed everything. I mean, it got me back on my feet financially. It allowed me to get back in a home. It allowed me to um, do the work to clean up my credit. I mean, it, it allowed me to get back to a lifestyle that I was accustomed to. It really was life-changing in so many ways, not just financially, Jenny, from an emotional standpoint, from an empowerment standpoint, from a from a contribution standpoint. We had a huge organization across the US and Canada, traveling, meeting other people, new cultures. It really, and my mother and I were great friends prior to this, but after working together for 16 years, it even made my relationship with my mother that much stronger, which Aww. it remains to this day. That doesn't always happen with family and business, but it sounds like you two really worked it out in a cohesive way. And so now you work with other companies helping to educate people on how to do this and start their own businesses within sort of social selling groups, it sounds like. Correct, but what happened was uh, the company we worked with for 16 years, the founder sold the company. And a new man came in and purchased the company, Bill Farley was the former CEO of Fruit of the Loom, Bob Bodywise, and he asked me to come in and be a liaison between his new corporate team and the field. And so I ended up working with him corporately for three years. And then I ended up being basically national director of field development for three other companies, one of which was RNF, um, Red Island Fields, uh, Immunitech, 
And then I took a year with Jockey International, who had at the time a very successful direct selling component. I'm not selling underwear, women's athletic products, um, clothing. And so I had this eight year corporate career um, working with four different companies, doing what I loved with terrific companies, getting a, just a terrific uh, level of experience and knowledge to, to be in conjunction with what I had learned after 16 years in the field. And things were going along terrifically. And then we had a, a second milestone, Jenny. <laughs> Way in the future, when my 50th birthday, mm -hmm. I started my 50th year happily married with a second husband and by that time it had been 18 years with my second husband i had loved my corporate career uh, money in the bank life is good happy and healthy and i came home from a speaking gig and discovered that um, he'd been living another life i found foot long red hair all over the house and as you can see that was not coming for me. And this is 10 years ago, so I'm not gonna bust that into tears. And, oh, but, and I, but meanwhile, I am, because I haven't lived it, and now I'm hearing you explain this, and my heart just, ugh. It, it's, it, you know, there's billions of women and men who have gone through this experience of a, of a marriage ending, and a marriage ending this way. And, um, Yes, the betrayal from your best friend, someone you love, someone you trust, it is very difficult. I, I won't lie, I cried every day for two and a half years. Yeah. I always say I would never be that woman who got sick because she held it all in, <laughs> because I did not hold it all in. I grieved gloriously. And yet part of this lesson, the best part of this lesson was even fetal on the floor, Jenny, when it first happened, there was this little voice in my head that said, Leslie, this can allow you to be the best Leslie you can be if you choose to. And I heard that voice. I knew even fetal on the floor that I did not want to be one of those bitter, betrayed XYs. Like I wanted to one day come to a place of authentic forgiveness, which I did with a lot of work and intention. And it truly has turned out to be one of the strongest, most empowering lessons of my life. For forgiveness is for the forgiver. And it has allowed me to maintain a terrific friendship with my second husband's children, who are now in their 40s, we're still great friends. Um, if John ever gave me a shout or needed me for anything, I would be there. I have this feeling vice versa. I mean, coming to that place of forgiveness, like, you know, and I can look back on 18 years of all the good stuff and look at the ending as just a life lesson that transformed me for the better. Wow. Wow, Leslie. Yeah. That, that lesson in forgiveness is something else. I, you know, I can see how that would take a minute and how that would really change a person. You've, you've been talking about these core values. We, we talk about, and because I've followed up on so much of your work, you talk about core values that are aspirational and authentic. So how, can you expand on that and also kind of help, help us to figure out what our core values are? Yeah, certainly. You know, doing the core value work as I was moving out of the my second divorce. I've only been married twice. Like I, that's the number of, that's the number. <laughs> Is, will there be a third before you? You know, 
I absolutely know there's great love in my future, Jenny. I truly do. I don't doubt it for a moment. And I know Mr. Next is going to present himself at the perfect time. I don't doubt it. And I'm finally in a space of readiness for that. So, yeah. Good. Yeah. Okay, I interrupted you. I wanted to talk about core yeah. values, but then I just had to know where you, what your headspace was on that, um, because because uh, yeah. like you said, so many people are in that same domain that you're in right now, and so I, li- I like to be able to, to to share the wisdom from your perspective. So now, core values. Yeah. How do we how do we figure out what ours are? You know, it's really fascinating how so many educated adults don't know what core values are, and certainly don't even know what their core values are. And I really believe that when you discover the alignment between your core values and your actions, wow, it's a game changer in all areas of your life. Like core values really lead you to what I call your true north. And so I do an exercise twice a year where I look into my core values. And I've discovered that, you know, five to six or seven are always tend to be in my top 10. Doesn't mean that new ones don't pop in depending on how my life changes, but just to help with the audience. Some of my top core values are health, discipline, faith, gratitude, service, creative expression. These are some of my core values and truth. And so I post my core values inside the cabinet where I get my vitamins every morning because here's what I've learned is that when I am aware of my core values, my authentic core values, they are drivers of behavior. So for example, when I am clear that health is a core value, I take better care of myself, I exercise, I meditate. When I know that, for example, love is a core value of mine. Now that COVID is, you know, the world is moving, my willingness and openness to date and be introduced to people. Um, Creative expression, I mean, that manifested itself in the writing of my latest book. And so when I, and clear on my core values, they drive my behavior. Now, the difference between aspirational and authentic, as you said, so aspirational are core values. They're the ones you wish were true. You, you would like to have you, but but they're they're your hope, but they're not really your current reva- your current reality. Whereas authentic core values. Now these, on the other hand, they shape your actions, or as in my language, drive your behavior. I could say, show me your life, Jenny, and I will show you the core values that created it. Oh. Okay. So so if, if my understanding correctly, aspirational, like I would love to say, um, like. I don't know, I'm thinking health or something, and then I'm eating a donut on National Donut Day, which is today, and so then it would be like, well, Jenny, that's aspirational, but, but you're, you're eating the donut on National Donut Day. And I say, well, it was for work. But anyway, is that what the aspirational is versus the actual? Okay, so there's moderation in all things, <laughs> True. <Jean Girl>. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so who knew it was National Donut Day? I didn't know that. So, I'll give you uh, um, some examples of um, aspirational. So let's go back to health five years ago when I had an illness and I'm totally healthy now, but I got really sick. And as I got sick, I realized that even though I was saying health was a core value, I had sort of let myself go. I wasn't eating as healthy as I could. I wasn't exercising as regularly as I used to. I had stopped meditating. Um, I'd stop walking after dinner. And so um, when, when I got sick, man, health went boom, right back to the top of my core values. And I started making those shifts in the area. So I was consistently, it was driving my behavior towards health. 
I'll tell you aspirational core value for love. Three, four years ago, I started talking about dating, but I was all talking, no action. I took no action, but I was talking about dating, but I just wasn't ready. Like I was not ready. You know, the last time I dated, I was in my twenties and I, and I didn't want to be her. So I wanted to do a little bit of work to make sure that when I got back out into the dating world, that I wasn't the 20 something Leslie, that I was the woman I am today. So, so love was aspirational, like a relationship love was aspirational because I was all talk and no action. It is an authentic core value now because I am putting myself out there. I am telling people I'm looking, I am telling people I would be happy to meet somebody, right? So I am actively pursuing. I have my list of qualities of, you know, that I, that I would desire in a, in a man. So it's become a more authentic core value, even creative expression. I talked about writing the book for a year. So being a best-selling author was aspirational until I made the commitment and sat down and wrote it. Then it became an authentic core value. Is there a certain amount of core values that one can have? That's an excellent, I usually give out a list of core values for people and when I, when I teach and train on this, whether they're a keynote or speak conventions or leadership retreats, and I don't think we're limited to core values uh, because I think as our life changes and things, you know, people come into our lives and situation comes into our life, different core values rise up that perhaps weren't in our traditional core values. I'll give you an example of that. One year I'm doing core value work and silence came into my top 10. Now, Jenny, I am a woman of many words. You have never <laughs> been silent before, Leslie. I, <laughs> I, I am not known for silence. And so I sat back and thought, how the heck did silence become a top 10 core value. And the more I thought about it, I realized I had been meditating for the past year and had become aware of all the benefits of that silent time, all the benefits of being less reactive and more tolerant and more gracious and more humble. And I mean, I had really been living the benefits of that quiet time and that's that brought silence into a high core value. So I don't think we're limited. And yet it's fascinating to do an exercise and bring it down to your top 10. Um, not that 10 is the magic number, sure. it doesn't have to be 10. Just to see where we are today and what core values are driving our behavior. So if we look at, let's say somebody says, my, my core value is my, my faith and, and my connection to my church or something, and then they look at their behavior and think, gosh, you know, prayer for me, I wanna say I'm doing it, but I don't, and I haven't stepped foot in that building, not that that's what church is about or faith is about, but, you know, and they realize, I think that I want that as a core value, but it's not my actual core value. How do we transition to, like, is it is it inherent that they are just are what they are, or can you, elevate your core values? That's a great question. So how do we how do we turn an aspirational yes. core value into an authentic core value? And I believe the answer is simply awareness and then choice. Right? So let's let's stay on your example of faith. So let's say faith like we all have our own version of spirituality. Yes. Faith. And so wherever we are in that, if we feel it is aspirational, then we have two choices. I'm going to leave it the way it is because I'm satisfied, 
or I'm not. And if I'm not satisfied, if we want it to be more authentic core value, then we have the choice. Well, then I've got to act differently. So however that looks, whether it's reading, whether it's attending, whether it's tithing, like what, however that looks, it's a driver of behavior. But first it has to start with awareness. And I can't help but wonder if finding the right mate, match, partner, whether business partner, life partner, spouse, like you, once you get aligned in the core values, it seems like as long as the other person also knows their core values, that it would be like a magnetic sort of quick realization, that's my person, or, or we might have something here. It's so interesting. So when I'm, like I say, I, I speak on this topic at conventions quite often, and usually sometime in the exercise, I will say, now, for those of you who are married or have a, a partner, do this core value exercise separately then come together and share your core values. I mean, it. I believe it is such a, a, a strengthener for a relationship to have clarity on each other's core values. And it could lead to some very interesting areas where perhaps things hadn't been working. Maybe she's got a core value for frugality and he's got a core value as a spendthrift, right? Or vice versa. Or maybe your, maybe your core values on faith are different. Or maybe your core values of how you're raising your children. Maybe your core values for discipline. Maybe your core values for um, communication. I mean, understanding who we are, it doesn't mean we have to change. It's not and like by the time we get married, like it's not about changing someone. It's about understanding who we're dealing with. So this works in relationships, the people you work with, friends, family. It's just understanding their core values. Then we understand what drives their behavior. Then we learn how to more effectively deal together. Like I will definitely do core value work with Mr. Next. For sure. It just did create more clarity. Maybe not on the first date, Leslie, but. <laughs> no, won't be first date. Won't be first date. We can talk sports on first date. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> how do you figure it out? Do you just write them all down and then, and then look at your life and say, is this true? Is it not true? Well, I work off a list of about, I don't know, 50, 75 core values. I circle all the ones that, that that sing to me and then I take some time and take it down to 10 and then I put them on three by five cards. I normally do this on the island and I spread out the three by five cards like dominoes and then I kind of shuffle them all around and then I just go through the process of prioritizing them one to 10. And I do this twice a year and it is just a fascinating exercise of awareness. And like I said, when I'm clear that this is an important core value for me, it drives my behavior. It's that, it's that alignment between knowing your core values and how they drive your behavior and your actions. So you've been an expert in the direct selling realm, which is now sort of social selling realm, entrepreneurship realm for yeah 30 years here. How does this, how does identifying core values relate to somebody in their business? Oh my gosh, I cannot tell you. I, I can't really insist what I teach or train to any corporate team, but, but when a company hires me, I'm always very passionate about, I really want to train on core values. Mm -hmm. I feel so strongly about this. When we can teach salespeople, it doesn't just have to be in social selling. It could be salespeople in any profession, yet when people are stuck with selling for all the right reasons, they're focused on themselves, they've got all these fears 
happening, fear of failure, fear of disappointment, fear of rejection, fear of a no. Like they're focused on themselves and it stops them from sharing their authentic passion, no matter what they're saying. When people and salespeople get clear on their core values. So let's stick with your social selling example. I believe after 30 years, some of the more common core values in this profession are the core value of service, the core value of collaboration, mm -hmm. the core value of community, the core value of teaching. Um, very often for women, the core value of women supporting women. If they have health products, the core value of health. If they have toxic free products, that core value again of health. Mm -hmm. And so um, education. So these are very common core values for people in direct selling. When these direct sellers and these entrepreneurs have clarity, oh, financial security, mm -hmm. freedom, entrepreneurship, when these direct sellers have clarity that these are the core values that are driving them, instantaneously, Jenny, and I've seen it happen in front of my very eyes thousands of times, instantaneously they move from selling to authentic sharing. Oh. It's magical because they are simply tapping into an authentic passion and then they feel free and you see it in their social media posts, you see it how they talk to people, you see it how they invite people to learn more, you see it in their follow-up language, you see it in their confidence, you feel it in their passion. It really is a magical addition to what already is, I believe, a profoundly empowering profession. Leslie Zan, you are a treasure. It just, it's been such a joy to chat with you. I cannot believe I already blew through our 30 minutes together. My gosh, thank you so much for coming on. I'm, I'm really excited. Heath and I are gonna do the index cards and do the core values. And you know, we are, we're on the outside. A lot of people think what an odd couple and, and but our core values have always been very aligned. So I'll be curious to see where they stand now after you know five years of marriage. Leslie, thank you yep. for the conversation. Jenny, I appreciate it very much. And just a final thought, I would love to invite your audience. The new book is called Outrageous Achievement. It's on Amazon. It's in print copy ebook. And I went into the studio to do the audible so people could hear my passion and my laughter and my energy. And I would just love to invite everyone to go on that outrageous achievement journey with me. Absolutely. I appreciate your time, Jenny. Love being with you. Thank you. You just, you really did add so much value. And I want to give a shout out to her websites and everything like that to you guys, because I know uh, you're going to want after this, you're like, where can I find more? So on social media, lesliezan.com. Uh, also on Facebook, Leslie Zan Consulting. And because repetition is important, again, we are talking about a bestseller. It's outrageous achievement, tapping into your limitless potential to create the life you've always wanted. And we will link that up in the show notes of the podcast episode. And don't forget these second shots. If you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, they come out every Thursday on CW33 in Dallas. If not worldwide, you can catch these podcasts. And if you found that this was a valuable episode, then shoot, give us five stars, give us a review, and we will talk to you soon.